Hey, uh, would you take your Bible with me, please? And let's go to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, and uh, we're in the middle of a series right now, marching toward Easter. And Easter's just a couple weeks away. It doesn't hardly seem possible, does it? But it's, it's, it's right upon us. And um, today we're looking at really a different, different uh, situation in the life of Jesus as he prepared us for Easter. And actually, we're going to be looking at the temptation of Christ, the temptation of Jesus as we march toward Easter. So I would just like you to follow along as I read uh, verse 1 uh, through verse number 10. I'm reading from the New International Version, Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only awesome heavenly father we thank you for your word your word is anointed your word is powerful i need your help so lord just help me as i i give your word proclaim your word and i pray that everyone in this room will have ears to hear and that we're going to be changed and for this we thank you in jesus name amen amen as we march toward easter we must look into god's word and find out why jesus came on this earth to die for us he came to show us grace. Yes, he did grace so that we, we, he would forgive us of our sins. But more than that, in addition to that, Jesus came to gave us, give us grace so that we would not sin again. He came to forgive us of our sins, but he came to show us a way that we would not ever sin again. Wouldn't it be awesome to live a life where we, where we would never sin? That would just really be great. So today we're going to see that Jesus was tempted in every way, just like us. And yet he lived a life of victory over Satan, over sin, over temptation. And by following his example, we can learn how to do the same thing. So, so that's what we're going to do today. So let me start this way, that my friend Tim Kahn told me one day, having coffee with Jack Blue. You don't have to sin. Now think about that. You don't have to sin. So why do we sin? We sin because we choose to sin. Because we want to sin. But we don't have to sin. Jesus made provision that we don't have to sin. He's given us power. He's given us authority over the tempter. We don't have to do anything we don't want to do. We choose to sin. But we're going to be tempted the rest of our lives. And it's called spiritual warfare. But we're going to learn today how to resist temptation. How does that sound? Wouldn't it be awesome to live a life totally pleasing unto the Lord? So 
what does temptation mean? Temptation is this. Any outside source that appeals to the weakness in your flesh. Any outside force that appeals to the, the weakness in your flesh. So it pulls you, pulls you like a magnet, like a, a vacuum cleaner, just sucks you right in. Tips you where you're weak, where you don't have any strength, when you're tired, when you're angry, when you're alone, and he just sucks you right in. That's what he tries to do. That's what temptation is. It fascinates the imagination. It messes with your mind. It's just a crazy thing. So, so that's what temptation is. And by the way, temptation is not a sin. It is not a sin to be tempted. Aren't you thankful for that? How many of you have ever been tempted in your life? The rest of you, I pray for you because you're not telling the truth. But temptation can lead us to sin. Temptation is not a sin, but it can lead to sin. And you've heard it said probably many times in your life that sin will take you farther than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. And it will cost you more than you want to pay. That's what sin will do. Sin will rob you of your spiritual blessings. Sin will help you or keep you from your, your potential in God. Sin will do all these things to rob the joy right out of your spirit. It will cause you to live beneath your potential in Christ, and your life will never be fulfilled if you're living in willful sin. It just won't happen. And then on the other hand, you have to pay the consequence of that sin. Jesus forgives the sin, but you still pay the consequences. And that's what we need to be reminded of here today. So we're going to learn from God's Word how to resist temptation. So you ready for this? Here we go. Number one temptation of Jesus, to please his body, his flesh. Look at verse number three. The tempter, that's Satan, came to him and said, if, making him doubt, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Maybe Jesus, you might say, well, Jesus was never tempted to look at pornography on the computer. Well, that's just dumb thinking. Jesus was tempted in every way like we are, and here's what that means. Jesus went 40 days without food. How many of you think after 40 days you're going to be hungry? How many of you after 40 minutes are hungry? Okay. It's going to happen. God told, God would led Jesus to fast for 40 days, no food, no eating, no nothing like that. His body, his flesh was weak. The Bible even says here in the scripture, we read it today, he was hungry. He was weak in that area. So Satan came at him and said, I have something for you. And if you really are the son of God, then how about you take these stones and turn them into bread? Jesus, how about you feed your flesh? So if you, if God tells you to fast, Satan's going to tempt you with food. If you have a problem with alcohol, Satan is going to tempt you with Pepsi? I don't think so. It's alcohol. Wherever you are weak, wherever you are hurting, whatever is going on in your life, and you feel like you don't have strength over this thing, this is how Satan is going to tempt you. If you don't take care of your marriage, he's going to tempt you with an affair. It's just going to happen. 
So here it is in the scripture that, that Jesus was weak in this area. Satan knew he was weak, and he tempted him in that area because he knows where we are weak. Folks, I've said it many times. You better know your weakness because Satan knows your weakness, and that's where he's going to hit you. And that's where you need to protect yourself. So he was tempted to please his flesh. Jesus' response is in verse number 4. Jesus answered, Hey, Satan, it is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. I had to look up that word live. Man does not live on bread alone. The word live means this, not, not just to exist, but to enjoy your life, to have fulfillment in life, to reach your potential. And Jesus said, the stuff of this world will never satisfy you. The things of this world will not satisfy. The way the devil is tempting you is never going to satisfy. And the only thing that will bring fulfillment in your life is the word of God in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we learn from this here today. And this is what we need to get into our spirit. See, it's at this point that the world calls Jesus a liar. They call Jesus a liar because they say this. No, that's not true, Jesus. I can truly live by doing that. I can really live with all the gusto, 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 gusto. If I, if I involve myself in this, they're, they're caught up in advertisement. They're caught up in commercials. And this is how you truly live. And you do this and you have friends and you have this and this and this and this and this. And they call Jesus a liar. And Jesus is saying no. If we put our focus and attention on anything this world has to offer, we are never going to be satisfied in this life. And the only way we're ever going to be satisfied is to put our focus on the Word of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's how we're going to find fulfillment. So he is saying to devil, devil, you're wasting your time. And he's saying to us today, you're wasting your time if you try to find life and hope any other way besides me. Many of you know this scripture in Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. Listen to this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. So God has a plan for your life. Cheryl, I just looked at you. God has a plan for your life. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Plans to prosper you. How many of you would like that? Plans not to harm you. Plans to give you hope. I've been looking at hope. Not this hope. I've been looking at, at, at hope. For, for a while, and hope means that God wants to give us the joy, not that joy, <laughs> joy and peace, it's, it, it just contentment, and the only way we're going to have joy and hope and peace and contentment is to follow the ways of God. It's not this stuff. And that's what Jesus is trying to say because that's what Satan is tempting him with is the stuff. I didn't even finish the verse. It says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Get this. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And the end of this, Jesus, or the God says, I will be found by you. God says, I will be found by you. Jesus is saying to Satan, Satan, when my children seek my face, they will find me. They, when they find me, they're going to find everything they're looking for. They don't have to please their flesh. They can reach out to me. Mm, this is good. 
I'd like this if I wasn't up here teaching it. The second temptation today, we're going to find in verse 5 and 6. It's a, the first one was the temptation of the body, and this one's the temptation of the soul. Temptation of the soul. Look at this in verse 5 and 6. Then the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. That sounds pretty spiritual. And he says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. Well, that's just dumb. Throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. I remember one time I was teaching on the soul. And, and, and I, we were in church on a Sunday morning. I said, it's really hard to explain the soul, but did you ever go on a roller coaster? The anticipation. You go over the edge and in your gut, you just lose it up in the air. You know that feeling? And I said, that's kind of a soul feeling. It just does something to the insides of you. I had Nikki's cousin, Kirk, come up to me after we went to Cedar Point that very week. And he said to me, Pastor Dan, I found my soul. <laughs> that was pretty great. The devil is trying to get our soul. Now, come on, think about this for a moment. If you're at the highest peak and the highest point of the temple, and you look down and it's just forever down, and you knew that if you jumped off, that God was going to send his angels come. Wouldn't that be pretty awesome? <laughs> and and it's, going to, it's going to do something in our, in our soul. It's going to make me feel good. The devil is trying to get Jesus to find feel-good feelings without God. That's what's trying to happen here. We've got to be very, very careful. It's a soul check. It's not even, when you read the scripture, it's not even a temptation to worship the devil. This is a temptation to worship ourselves. If it feels good, do it. Man, we've all done that too, haven't we? Probably every one of us, if you haven't, forgive me, but I think we probably have. We say, I can do what I want, and God will still watch over me. After all, isn't he a God of love? We're going to have a talk, I think. <laughs> I can live the way I want, and God will be still pleased with me. You know, I can do what I want, and God will be pleased, or at least he'll be okay with me. Because I want to do what I want to do. How many of you want to do what you want to do? We all want to do what we want to do. And we have to resist that. We have to do what God wants us to do. This is a, a temptation. I can serve me. I can do what I want. And if I make a dumb decision, it doesn't really matter. Because God loves me and he will just swoosh down and just pick me up. Living for me. A form of godliness, but denying his power. This is a temptation saying this. I can take care of myself. I don't need anybody telling me what to do. I know what I'm doing. God will be okay with my choices. This part is really kind of scary. God thinks I really love him, but I know that I love me. We, we think we're faking God out. We, we have some good words. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. I lift my hands, okay? We, we think we're faking God out. And we say, I know I can live any way I want, but God knows I really love him. 
No, God knows you're living for yourself, but God knows you love you. And that's what this is all about here. It's a temptation to please me and to please the soul. And, and Jesus, man, he, this is his response, verse number 7, just right to the point. Jesus said, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to a test. Don't do it. I looked up the word test. Purpose, purposefully, that's hard. Everybody say that, purposefully. It's not easy to say, is it? Okay. Purposefully making bad decisions and hoping that God will show up to rescue me. That's what a test is. I know it's wrong. I know I shouldn't be doing it. But I'm going to do it anyhow because I want to please me. But I'm counting on God to swoosh down and help me out of it. That's a test. And that's a temptation of the soul. Please me. Please me. And Jesus basically, when he responded to the devil, he's saying, devil, you're speaking nonsense. Devil, you're twisted. Devil, no one in the right mind will listen to you. And that's the thing. When we obey the, the urgings of the flesh, we're really not in our right mind. Our right mind should be with God. Devil, you speak Wow. So we saw a temptation to the body. We saw a temptation to the soul. And now we're going to see a temptation of the spirit. Look at verse 8 and 9. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, the devil said, if you will bow down and worship me. The soul was to worship himself. But the spirit is to worship Satan. Where are you going to put your allegiance? Where is your heart? The devil is saying, if you worship me, or, or maybe if you just don't worship God, look what I can offer you. See, there's people out there saying, well, I'm not going to worship the devil, but I don't want to worship God. Okay, well, you fit right into this. Okay, because... If you're not worshiping God, you may not like to hear this, you are worshiping the devil, okay? Because it's the, it's the God of this world. And the devil's saying, look what I have to offer you. See, Satan will promise the world. How can I say this with love and respect? He's like the, the world's first politician. He will promise the world empty promises. Empty promises. We look at how though we, we look at how the world prospers. Guys, I, I've done this. I look at LeBron James. I, I look at, at all these, you know, these these guys, these movie stars and all these people. And man, they make you know some of these baseball pitchers, they make I, I did the math because I'm just kind of crazy that way. Some of these guys make fifty five thousand dollars with every pitch. I would do it for half the money. I look at them and, and I say, these guys are heathens. Look how they're prospering. And we, we, we somehow, we, we say, man, if I, if I just am not so serious toward God, I think that I could get further along in this life. Now, I know that God wants to bless us. Don't, don't, don't read into this. I know he wants to bless us. But folks, let me just tell you, God is what you're looking for. 
God, if you have God, you have it all. You have the wealth. You have the strength. You have the peace. You have it all. And the devil's trying to sell him a bill of goods. And people all around us, they're drinking the Kool-Aid, man. They're, they're, just, they're, they're just receiving this garbage. And we could get caught up in their life and their lifestyle and all they have. And they're living for the devil. They're living for themselves. And even the psalmist one day said this, I envied the ungodly until I considered their eternal destination. I envied the ungodly until I considered their eternal destination. And I'm telling you what, let me ask you a question, folks. When you die, where are you going? Come on. When you die, where are you going? That was a good time there. We're going to heaven. We know we are because we our sins have been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. We've confessed him as our Lord and Savior. So you can have a Rolls Royce and I'll drive what I have and I'm going to heaven someday. Let's not get caught up in all that junk, guys. And, and, and by the way, I think this is a temptation for you and me on not being thankful and not being grateful for what we do have. We touched a little bit of this, of this on Wednesday night. If you were here, you know... Excuse me, but folks, you are blessed. You are wealthy. You do have much. God has blessed you. Strive to succeed, yes. Do your best, develop your gifts. You might get a raise, promotion, more money. That's awesome, but it all comes from God and is to be used for God. So we need to be thankful for what we do have. The Bible says in Timothy, the godliness with contentment is great gain. Do you realize there is people living right in our area that would love to have what you have, and yet the devil doesn't want us to be satisfied with what we have? And he says, if you follow me or if you just stop following God, I will make sure you have so much more. Folks, the Bible says someday everything that we see around here is going to be all consumed in fire. It's going to just all be nothing. But what we lay up in heaven is going to last forever. That's where I'm going. Jesus' response, you always have to see the response, Look at verse 10. You know, at this point, after the third temptation, it's like, the, like Jesus just, just had enough. You ever had enough with Satan? Just had enough. He said, I'm tired of you. I'm tired of you messing with me. I'm tired of you just coming after me. Look what he says. Verse 10. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan. Cap with the ex exclamation after Satan. Away from me. Away from me. Get out of here. Get out of my face. Go back to where you know you need to be. Get out of here. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you had a righteous anger welling up within your spirit? And you've had enough of how Satan is trying to beat you up and your family up and, and, and on and on. And you just said, wait just a minute. I know that what I'm going through is not of God. I've had it. Satan, get out of here. Get out of my face. Get out of my life. Get out of my home. Get out of here. And that's what Jesus is teaching us to do. We need to have enough and tell Satan where he can go. And that's what this is happening here. This is happening. So we need to say something like, Satan, I come against you in the name of Jesus. And we need to mean it. No weapon forged against me will prosper. Satan, get out of here. I bind you in the name of Jesus. I'm a child of God. I've been born with a in Christ and bought with the blood of Jesus Satan I will not listen to you anymore I will not submit to you away from me Satan I can't stand your guts it's okay to talk that way church 
See, he wakes up in the morning, and John 10, 10, he's trying to fulfill it, that he comes to rob and kill and destroy. And if he can, we said in Sunday school, if he can't cause you to divorce your spouse, he's going to try you to live in misery. But God has more than that. If he can't cause you to go just blow your, your, your mind out on alcohol, he's going to cause you just to be a nasty old something nobody wants to be around and we just need to say away from me satan away from me satan i've had enough and that's exactly what is happening here we need to remind the devil that he was already defeated on the cross of jesus christ we need to remind him of that so devil is a dirty dog just a dirty dog and 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 in church we need to be aware of his schemes and he treats us the way he treated jesus treats us the same way his plan has not changed but why would it change it's been working for six thousand years we are the ones that need to change and stand up and say no i've had enough satan get out of my home get out of my marriage get out of my relationship with my kids get out of here get out of here did you ever notice in this story that satan is using the scripture against jesus he brought the scripture up. He brought God's word and he twisted it to make it say what he wanted it to say. Satan will try to get us to use God's word, put a 21st century bent to it, and make it say what will please our flesh. Well, folks, I don't really care to be politically correct. What God said is wrong is wrong. I don't care if we're living in the 21st century. You can call me an old fuddy-duddy if you want to, but I'll tell you what, I, I, I want to stand on God's word, and if God's word says it's wrong, it's wrong. Okay? I, we don't need any modern twist here. That's just, that's devil working. And we see that right here in the temptation of Jesus. But also, did you notice that each time the devil used God's word, Jesus himself used God's word. And he used God's word to defeat Satan. There's power in the Word of God. And the Word of God, Ephesians 6, says it's like a sharp sword. It's, it's like razor sharp. And my, my, my brother Larry, when he was drafted back in 68, during the Vietnam War, and I shared this, but I just need to share it. I just feel I need to share it. That, that he came back from boot camp, and, and the dagger that, that went on the end of his bayonet, went on the end of his rifle. I'm exaggerating so you can see it. It was, it was concave like this, okay? And then it went to a point concave to a point and i said larry i said why is it concave like that ron you would understand this you've been there he said you guys close your ears i don't want you to hear what i'm about to say okay just he said you you penetrate your enemy you twist and when you pull it out that concave works as a suction and a vacuum and just rips her insides out I remembered that since 1968. That was a lot of years ago. That the word of God will penetrate my enemy, and when I turn it and yank on it, it's going to rip the guts right out of Satan. How's that sound? That's what the word of God does. And we need to use the word of God against the devil. Some of you are saying, that was a terrible illustration. Well, it just made sense to me, okay? I just, maybe I'm twisted. I don't know. 
Folks, the Word of God is powerful. And, 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 and man, we, we, what's the Word of God say? Anybody have a scripture right now? The Word of God has power over the enemy. Anybody have something right in your heart right now? See, when he's messing with you, you can stand up and say, wait a minute. Greater is he that's in me than you. And that's all we need to know. We stand on the word of God. Did you also notice in the story in verse 1 of chapter 4, it was the Holy Spirit that led Jesus into the desert, knowing that he would be tempted. What? What's up with that? I try to follow God, and here, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he leads me into the desert, knowing I'm going to be tempted. Here's why Jesus went to the desert to be tempted. You want to hear? Oh, this is good, good, good. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. Hebrews 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one, Jesus, who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet without sin. He had to go into the desert and be tempted so he understood what it was like to be tempted so that he could help us when we are tempted. And then chapter 2 of Hebrews, verse number 18 because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit to be tempted so that he could help you and me when we are tempted, so that he could be our strength when we are weak. That's the march toward Easter. He just didn't come to help us with our sins. He came to help us so that we won't sin anymore with his help and his strength. Pastor, it's impossible to live without sinning. I, I don't know that scripture. I do know that we choose to do what we choose to do. So the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the desert. What happened after the temptation? There's one verse I did not read in our text in Matthew chapter 4. Look at verse number 11. This is after the temptation. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended to him. And the same story in Luke chapter 4 tells us that Jesus left the desert in the power of the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Holy Spirit into the desert. After the temptation, he came out under the power of the Holy Spirit. Something changed in his life after he won victory over temptation. He had a greater power than he ever had before. And if we know the story of Jesus, his ministry did not begin until after he was tempted. His best days came after the temptation. So let me ask you one more time. Have you ever been tempted? If we go into the same story here, your best days are ahead of you. Come on, church. I want you to devil says man because of what you did you forget what he who cares who cares what he says everything he says he's a, he's a liar big fat one father of lies but god's word says that jesus was tempted and he came out in the power and his best days were ahead of him and i believe that's true for us and there's a prophecy in joel chapter 2 verse number 25 and god's word says I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, meaning this, that even if you have messed up your life and royally and you spent years and years doing the wrong thing,
the Lord can redeem the time and he can use you in a way in the future that you never dreamed possible and it's all because of his power. So what, you messed up 10 years? So what? You could do more for God in six months than you could have done 10 years without God, believe me. And with God, he can redeem. We need the word of God. And I'm telling you what, in my Bible, in Joel chapter 2 and verse number 25, I have the names of my children. It's a promise. It's a promise. It's a promise. And I'm counting on it. Amen. I want to close doing something a little bit different today. As soon as I say different, everybody gets scared to death. Psalm 119 in verse 11 says this. It's a prayer toward God. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We see in the scripture today that Jesus became victorious over the devil because of the word of God. We need the word of God in our lives and in our hearts. And some of us, it's just, you know, we know it, but we have to know it. So here's what we're going to do today. We're all going to memorize a scripture. We're going to memorize a scripture. It should be on the screen. It is on the screen. You guys are awesome. You know what? These guys don't... Let's thank these guys back here. They do such a great job. I'm serious. You guys are awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Okay, here we go. I have hidden your word in my heart. No, 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 no. I, I, I didn't do that right, did I? Repeat after me. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Okay, we're going to do it again. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119.11. Folks, that's the answer. That's the answer. Okay, shut off the screen. Joe, shut off the screen. Oh, now it's going to get scary. Who knows it? Dan, you raise your hand first. Come up here, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a good one there. I like that. I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119.11. Awesome. 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 Who else knows the word? Kyle, come on. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119.11. Every day we need to do this. Oh, got too much time. Thank you. This is over there. Every day we need to do this. Lord, I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and say, oh, it's a Monday morning. Well, I might do that. And then I'm going to say, Lord, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And when I'm tempted just to yell at the, do you know there's some really bad drivers out there? 
They don't seem to understand when the light turns green, it's the pedal on the right. They don't get it. And, and when I'm tempted to grumble and complain, Lord, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. If Marcia irritates me, which would be totally impossible, Lord, I've hidden your word in my heart that I will not sin against you. When I get a phone call, Lord, I've hidden your word in my heart that I will not sin against you. When something goes wrong at work, at school, Lord, I've hidden your word in my heart that I will not sin against you. It's the word of God that defeats the powers of Satan. It's the word of God that breaks strongholds. Guys, you know why you're here today? Because you've already had strongholds broken in your life. Everyone has, has had strongholds. We all have skeletons in our closet. We've all had these things happen. And we need to understand that we are here because God already broke strongholds. So since he doesn't change, he's going to help us when Satan comes at us again. If we allow him to. Satan wants to destroy your body. He wants to destroy your soul. He wants to destroy your spirit. Your word I've hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119.11. Dirk. Lord will not make a way of escape. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation common to man, but that the Lord will not make a way of escape. And that way of escape is always the power of Jesus Christ. The power of the cross. So Tim, do we have to sin? He's the one who told me that. How many years ago? And I've never forgotten that. That was one of the most profound things you've ever said. Except when you told me that the Browns were awesome. <laughs> He's a Steelers fan. He would never say that. So tomorrow, I'm, I'm going to... Forget tomorrow. How about the rest of the day? How about the next hour? That we try, with God's help, not to sin. Because His Word, we have hidden in our heart that we will not sin. You've been listening to a sermon from Louisville First Assembly. For more information, visit www.firstagonline.com That's www.firstagonline.com